Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to StageCraft, Variety's theater podcast your backstage pass to revealing conversations with stars, creators, and industry leaders on Broadway, off-Broadway, and beyond. I'm Gordon Cox. On this episode of StageCraft, I'm talking to Rachel Bloom. I first talked to Rachel way back in 2017, when she was in the third season of the musical TV series she created and starred in, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Broadway fans saw her again the following spring, when she hosted the backstage segments at the Tony Awards. A lot has changed since then. And that's exactly what Bloom's new stage project is about. It's called Death, Let Me Do My Show, and it blends elements of stand-up, storytelling, and musical theater to talk candidly and comically about wrestling with the specter of death. It's centered on two things that happened to her early in the pandemic. First, in late March 2020, she had a baby. And then, soon thereafter, she lost her close friend and collaborator, Adam Schlesinger, to COVID. Death, Let Me Do My Show is now playing off-Broadway. And before we get to the interview, I just want to note that Bloom and Schlesinger were working on a musical adaptation of The Nanny when Schlesinger died. But, alas, we aren't able to talk about that in our conversation because The Nanny is a TV show and is therefore encompassed by the ongoing WGA and SAG-AFTRA strike. But there's plenty of other things to talk about in our interview, from sharing the secret to good musical comedy, to dealing with hecklers, to her favorite jokes that she had to cut from the show. Hi, Rachel. Thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So your new show has, it's got elements of stand-up, but it's also deeply influenced by theater and musical theater in terms of, you know, like its form and the people you collaborate and even its subject to an extent. So how do you describe Death Let Me Do My Show to people? What category does it fall in? I say it's a stand-up show meets a one-act musical mm-hmm. yeah that's kind of like i mean i say it's a stand-up show meets a one-act play meets a musical but there are one-act musicals so mm. pick your poison 
Yeah. Okay. And was that the form that you were intending for the show from the beginning, even though the form, the, the story you told seems to have morphed, but, uh, was the form, was that always kind of the form you were, you were thinking about? Well, from the beginning, do you mean like when I first started writing a show? In yeah, like when you you were like, because you oh, as we no. should tell listeners. Okay, yeah, we should tell listeners that that uh, you're fairly upfront in the show about you know you started you started working on the show back in 2019, and when you returned to it, you know, uh, post lockdown, you really wanted to continue writing that show, and then you found yourself unable to for a number of reasons. So, um, first of all, yeah, tell us a little bit about that first impulse back then what you wanted to do. Well, I, my first impulse back then was I'd been touring a lot and I'd mm -hmm. been interspersing songs that people knew with new songs and mm -hmm. then coming up with new standup uh, that could almost go with songs of mine that people knew. So I was mm -hmm. always uh, working in standup and new songs into these concerts I was doing. And I did a residency at Just for Laughs for five days where I tried mm. out some new material. And the idea was in 2020, after I gave birth, I would uh, you'd film mm. a comedy special of, mm. of what I do, which is uh, stand-up and comedy songs. And so it was just very fun and mm. very uh, silly and like balls out. And then 2020 happened mm. and I had all of the uh, kind of bullet points of that show listed out on a whiteboard in my office, which had now become my daughter's playroom as well. Right. Yeah. And I remember looking at the whiteboard. There's nothing, there's nothing that makes uh, things seem dumber than seeing stand up bits or comedy songs, you know, bullet pointed out because, you know, it's just like a uh, pregnancy test. Uh, <laughs> my, my butthole's like the hurricane. Like, it's just like little right. things out of it. Only you understand. And I was like, this is so stupid. I don't think there's room for this in the world anymore. Mm. I can't just pretend that the world is back to normal. And that's what inspired the show. Right, right. So that show could, you could have just done that show. That show existed, basically, right? You could have. Yes. And yeah. in fact, a, a big kind of real life arc I went through was mm. this show originally had, so basically, without spoiling anything, I start the show and I say, I'm going to do the show in 2019. Something happens that prevents me from continuing and I have mm. to talk about 2020. So the, the 2019 material quickly fades out. Right. In versions of the show that I've been trying to do in the past couple of years, I, I included a lot more of my old material mm. and, and my character being playing myself, being unwilling yeah. to let go of that own material and clinging to it more. And then, when I rewatched the shows, it just started to all lift out. So there's about an hour of cut material. Yeah, yeah. And you tell us about the development process. Yeah, tell us a little bit more about um, kind of how you how you worked. You said you've been working on it for a couple of years. So I had my stand up. The first time I ever did this mm. was a Dynasty typewriter, uh, a. a theater in Los Angeles. Uh, yeah. It was in late 2021. And I just mm. sat on, I stood on stage with 40 pages of just new stuff. Mm. Uh, and I just like on a, on a music stand and I just kind of almost not read it, but I was very on book just, mm. and it was a mix of stand up and new songs and stories. And, and then a couple months after that, I added in this more global 
structure that is kind of the structure of the show. Mm. But the show kept changing. And I was I was from a very early time working with Seth Barish, who's my director, yeah. on honing this show. And, and, and really, how do you meld the stand-up into the one-act play of it all? And mm. him, for instance, asking me to do a free write on my anger. Hmm. Okay. Was that useful? Yeah. yeah some of it's yeah. in the show. Yeah. 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 Okay. Cool. And how did you, yeah, he's one of his, he's, you mentioned Seth Barish and he is kind of the go-to guy for shows like, like yours, like these sort of storytelling kind of stand up, also theatrical, like, uh, often solo shows. Um, how do you work with a director? Um, because this material is so like, you know, for and about you, how, what, what does the outside perspective, how is that useful for you as a, as a creator? Well, he's really looking at story and arc first. Mm -hmm. So what helped is that he wasn't precious about, you know, the stand-up bit lifts out, mm -hmm. uh, unfortunately. So he had very much, he yeah. came from a story place as opposed to, I think that a director who came from more of a stand-up or comedy place might've been, oh, well, we can't lose this joke, but right. his unpreciousness with jokes has served mm. the story of the show and served the structure of the show. And there are so many cut jokes. Yeah. There are still a lot of jokes, but, sure. but there are yes. a lot still of jokes funny. I had yeah. to let go. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And how, tell me about the process of uh, writing the songs for this. How does, how does that, is it like writing the book of a music? You were, you were working on a, a, a musical. Um, like, is it like writing the book of a musical and you think, oh, I need a song here or, Tell me about when the, how you know a moment needs music. Well, I think, especially in this show, for most of the songs, it's when does a stand-up bit or a story become better if it's in song? Hmm. Because the first couple songs in this are very much stand-up bits hmm. expanded into songs with a genre that heightens the joke in a way you couldn't if it were just a stand-up bit. Right. So there were definitely songs added where it felt like there was a, a gap in storytelling um, where it was like, oh, it's been a while without a song. And then the last song is very much in the story. So that more was like mm. writing a book musical where, okay, what's the conclusion the characters are coming to? Right, right. That is the song you wrote with Shana Tao. Is that right? Yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah, that is a name that uh, listeners of this podcast will know. Uh, how do you know her? Did you go to school with her, or why we went to school together? Yeah, yeah, that would that would have been my guess. Yeah, yes, yeah. yes. So and she's wonderful. We've we worked together a little bit before. Hmm. This was uh, it was amazing because I I came to her with a set of lyrics and I said, you know, this song is in a pastiche. I want to explore this idea, but unlike the songs, many of the song, most of the songs in the show. Uh, which are kind of pastiches of genres. I don't know what genre this is. I just know the feeling that I want. So we really crafted it together. Mm. Yeah, I, you know, I was going to ask, because you work with uh, a number of collaborators on the songs throughout the show, and how how does that... I, I wondered if, like, do you break it down with, like, you write the lyrics and they write the music, or do you both collaborate? Like, do you also contribute to the music? Like, how does how does that work? No, it just depends. So yeah. mm. um, for one of the songs I wrote with Eli Bolin, I said, here are mm. some lyrics I have. I, I'm I'm kind of leaving the music to you on, on this one. And then another song I went, here are chords. Here's a demo. 
Mm, of this song this song is more fully written open to any and all changes in thoughts so it just it just depends on the song yeah um there is a version of this story that could be oh i thought i was going to do a show and then i just decided not to do a show you know what what did you feel like you needed to do with this particularly with this show and how has it served you as you've uh, as you've been working on it I think the show is not only me processing how I personally feel about death, Mm. working through this show and the conclusion I come to in the show is an actual conclusion I came to in my life. I came to Mm. that conclusion first and then worked it into the show. So it helps me process. It helps kind of scab over some things because once you, one of the things I like about sharing personal things with an audience is you almost give an experience over to an audience. It's not just yours anymore, if that makes sense. And I find mm-hmm. that very healing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I like creating. So it was just mm-hmm. another, it was, you know, a thing to contribute to the joy of creating and, and, and a little having my cake and eating it too, and being able to do stand up still, mm-hmm. but it morphing into something more. Right. Yeah. How, much harder is it to be funny in a song versus in, you know, a story or in stand-up? Uh, it's harder in that you also have to, where does the song come in? Does this, is this a, a line that has to rhyme? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but in some ways it, it, a song structure gives, it's nice because you're like, okay, I'm in the chorus now. I need a line here for the chorus. Okay. I'm in the verse. I'm in the bridge. There's a nice structure. Mm-hmm. to songwriting that I like working within, but the parameters are definitely incredibly tricky because especially when you're rhyming and it's why I, I actually kind of, especially in verses I wrote avoided rhyming and Adam working with Adam Schlesinger, yeah. he was much more, now we let's try to make it rhyme. Let's try to make it rhyme. And he really, he really, um, it's harder but because yeah. because part of making people laugh in general is surprise. Right. And when you're in a song and you know what's coming because mm-hmm. you've heard this chorus before. Right. How does the song not just become repetitive? And yeah. that is harder mm-hmm. to do than what if you're just doing a stand up bit because yeah. you're not following any sort of structure. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like there's probably something about because audiences can anticipate a rhyme. Right. Like that can also like lead to. Yes a lessening of the surprise for a punchline, right? If they can see the rhyme, then they can see the punchline, right? So you have to find different ways. So like, okay, there's a song about the rainbow bridge in the show, mm-hmm. uh, which is, you know, this idea, it's a theory about pet death. Um, I, I know something's going to end with like, um, has something has to rhyme with bridge. So it's the name Midge, which is not a joke, right? right. Something I am Midge. But the next line is a joke. Right. I got answers at the base of the rainbow bridge, which makes sense in the context of the song. And so it's also finding, all right, if I'm going to rhyme here and that's not going to be the joke, where maybe before the rhyme, there's something mm-hmm. after it, it is harder. Yeah. 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 Is there, do you have kind of a, a, a secret? Like, is there a secret that you can identify to good musical comedy to like when a song works or when it doesn't work? I think just surprise. Yeah, that's it. Like just just stuff you don't 
just getting really specific and really continuing to surprise the audience, mm. which is harder to do in songs. I'll have more with Rachel right after the break. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And now here's more with Rachel Bloom, the creator and star of Death, Let Me Do My Show. As we've alluded to, you talk a lot in the show about Adam Schlesinger and uh, his his death um, during during early on in COVID. Um, and he was your frequent collaborator. You worked with him on Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. And he also wrote musicals like, you know, he wrote Crybaby and the Bedwetter. And, uh, you know, he's a he's a musical guy. Um, he was also in the band Fountains of Wayne. Um, what can you tell us about, and you were in the middle of working on a Broadway musical with him. Can you tell us a little bit about kind of what that collaboration was? Like, why were you a good fit creatively? When I started writing with him. Yes. He was introduced in the fold because he had been roommates with Aline Brosh McKenna's husband, Aline Brosh McKenna, with whom I created oh, yeah. Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Mm -hmm. They'd been roommates in the early 90s. Mm. And Aline said, you should meet Adam. And I'd always worked with my other writing partner, Jack Dolgen. He had yeah. written and co-written and produced uh, most of my music videos. So started we started working with Adam and it was a fit. Sorry, he did one of the songs in the show, yeah, at least one. Is that right? In in your he, show now. He co yes, yes, yes. Yeah, he he yeah. he he co-wrote uh the lyrics of one of the songs. Got it. Got it. In a yeah. in a way, this this show was uh basically what I found in Adam was mm. just a collaborator on all fronts, including musical theater. It's very mm. rare mm -hmm. to find someone who has such a command of pop and rock, but also major command of writing musical theater. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's one of the many reasons we were a fit. And part of me writing every song in the show pretty much is written with a different collaborator or a different collaborator setup because it, it's kind of me experimenting with, okay, what is what does my songwriting life look like now that Adam's gone? Yeah. Because before he was gone, yeah. I just would have gone I just went to him with everything. Right. Yeah. And what have you learned during that process about what your songwriting life looks like? Um, I think different people bring different things, but there are so many talented people out there. Mm. There's no one who's ever going to be, you know, a one-stop shop, for lack of a better way of saying it, than, mm. than Adam. Adam could just, he just could do everything. He knew every genre. He just could do could do everything and also he's he's in my ear with he was very not precious and very not sentimental and not saccharine so i think he also i've i've tried to write a show that he would like you are someone who 
works across genres and in various media. And I, I just wondered if there were artists whose work and trajectory you consider sort of influential for you. Like you've thought, oh, they're influences, or I, I'm interested in modeling my career to some extent after what they do. Oh, Mel Brooks. Mm, yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Trey Parker and Matt Stone. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm trying to think of people basically who do all things and in, in, in including uh, music. Yeah. Especially comedy music. Um, those are those are two of the main, you know, main in influences and in career models that that come to mind. Yeah. Um, I mean, I was first inspired to write comedy music. But I someone showed me uh, the comedian Julie Brown her music videos of because mm. uh, I'm a because I'm a blonde mm -hmm. and the homecoming queen's got a gun which are these music videos from the late 80s yeah. I think and I it hadn't occurred to me I'd only seen men doing mm. comedy music and comedy parodies and it hadn't occurred to me oh no women can do it too and we can parody our own sexuality in that way mm. and we can make fun of the way that music and, and pop culture sexualize women and we can turn that on its head. Yeah. Yeah. Do you find in the broader entertainment industry that there is an interest in musical uh, storytelling or is it a thing, a hump you have to get over or is it, tell me what the, cause there's, there's the perennial, you know, impression that musical theater is terminally uncool. Um, and I just wonder if, if that is, if that is a thing you encounter when you're going into pitch meetings. Yeah. Look, the sell of a musical show is always going to be harder. Yeah. Um, but it depends. People say, yeah. what I find interesting is sometimes people say we want to do a musical. And then you go, okay, so you want uh, books to go into song. You want to, you want, you want people to burst into song. They go, oh, no, 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 no. We, we, <laughs> what we just want is like cool music. And, and you're like, well, oh, you're just talking about, you just want a good soundtrack. Right. So, I think a lot of people in film and TV don't understand what musicals are. And then you'll see, I don't know, a, a screenplay or a TV script that's written to be a musical, but the person writing it isn't a musical writer. And so they'll write dialogue, write a scene, and then it'll be like, insert song here, something about this, but it doesn't work. And you're like, well, no, this doesn't, this isn't the right placement for a song. And so I think there's, I think there's this idea of, I don't know, yeah, make it a musical. You put a fucking song here. And I I, uh, I think there's a, yeah, there's a lack of appreciation. I think that when you make a musical film or TV show, especially now, you're going to have a narrower audience because people aren't used to seeing musicals. It's not like we're in the, you know, the 40s, 50s, 60s anymore where musical films were, were ubiquitous. Um yeah, and I think it. Look, I also this is a separate issue, but I think that songwriters in general are undervalued. Songwriters in film and TV don't have a union, and mm -hmm. it's how you can get into these things called demo derbies, which is where you are asked for no money to make a to write a full song, a fully produced song. You are going to go into a studio, you're going to pay musicians, and you are going to get nothing. And that's and that's the norm. And sometimes those are amazing. That's how Adam got that thing you do. It was mm -hmm. just from he was one of you know a hundred people to submit a song but mm. there's a lack of appreciation i think for what goes into songwriting and people just 
go, oh yeah, just write out, write us, write a little singy song, you beep, 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 bop. Yeah. Yeah. And how do you think about, uh, you know, the show is live and on stage and you, you have worked on, presumably are working on uh, other musical theater projects. How do you think about stage and theater fitting into your broader career? How do you, will it always be a part of what you do? Do you think like, tell me, tell me about how you think of balancing that and like your screen work. Oh, absolutely. It'll always fit. Mm. I have this mindset. You go where the gigs are. Mm. Stage is my first love. It's where I come from. So it's always going to be something that I'll be excited to do that. I'll be thinking about. Mm. You know, how to how to work it into my life. I have another idea for a musical that I've started working on. Mm. Um, so it it's always it depends on the idea. Mm-hmm. Honestly, like I come, I'm I'm an idea first person. And then okay, what's the right medium for this idea? I'm not opposed mm. to someday writing a graphic novel sure. if it's the best, uh, you know, way to communicate a certain story or idea. Yeah, what makes an idea right for musical theater do you think i don't know i think a lot of ideas are right for musical theater and i think a big i think a big misconception and this is more on the musical film side is people think if something's going to be a musical and film and tv there has to be um it has to be about you know a choir or or something where music is inherent but anything can be a musical Mm. so what's freeing about stage is you don't have to have the excuse or reason right of people bursting into song, but with TV and film, you almost need that more. Yeah. And it's not good or bad. It's just, it's just different. So I, I don't know. It really depends on the idea. Yeah. And it also depends on, you know, frankly, the market, what's Mm. getting made. And if you have an expensive, I'm working on something right now that would be an expensive period piece. Mm. Yeah. I think that's more conducive to stage, frankly. Right. Yeah. Uh, can you tell us about anything, uh, any of the other things that you're working on for stage? Um, I don't, I'm, I'm potentially working on it with another place, so I don't want to spoil it, mm-hmm. but it's a story that I've wanted to work on for quite some time. Mm-hmm. And that's, that, that's boring. I know that's a boring answer. No, yeah, that's okay. That's uh, but yeah. you are working on something. Uh, yes, uh, one yes, of several things. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Um, so what's next for uh, death? Let me do my show. I don't know. Mm. You're you're talking to me in the middle of, you know, opening night is day after tomorrow. Yeah. Let's see how this run goes. I obviously want to do it again. There are so many ways to go with this. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, in the back of my mind, I'm I'm thinking of like, okay, how would you eventually film this? Yeah. Um, would love to explore Broadway in the West End. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a matter of you know who can make that happen, seeing the show and coming to me. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And what are you learning? What do you learn from an audience about this show as you as it's been developing? Like, how do you how do how does that inform uh, you show to show and then also how the show grows over over its development? Oh, I mean, first of all, with jokes, audience is everything. Right. So if there's a joke that Mm -hmm. I'm telling that's consistently not getting laughs, I got to cut that joke. But also audiences really vary. It's Mm -hmm. unbelievable how much something that gets a huge laugh one night doesn't get a laugh another night. Yeah. Um, it, it's kind of, you just need their audiences have tastemakers in them. Mm. And if you have one or two laughers who decide to laugh at a thing, 
but also maybe it's the way I'm doing it because I kind of change up the way that I do the show every night. I mean, you saw the show. It's it's loose. Yeah. There's a yeah. there's a I, I am always kind of putting things into my own words. Mm. So right. there's an unpredictability to that. And New York audience, I would say theater audiences more than comedy theater audiences because I've done this in both. The mm. theater audiences are thirsting for plot and they're looking for it. And the, and the stand-up audiences, it comes out of nowhere and they don't even know what to make of it. Yeah. <laughs> the plot? <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, um, that's, so I mean, that's that, They think they're seeing a comedy show. Yeah, yeah. Is that mostly, do you find that's determined by venue often? Like, like what people expect from you and from your show? Um, yes. Yeah, I, I think so. I was in Boulder and it was a very big venue, mm. very big comedy venue there, the Boulder Theater, and mm. everyone there is lovely. But, um, uh, I had a genuine, I had a, I had a heckler one night oh, and he yeah. went, I just thought there'd be jokes in this show because the show gets quite serious. Mm -hmm. And he went, tell a joke. And it was really wow. intense. Yeah. And how'd you deal with them? Um, so the audience, the show gets kind of meta. The audience uh, thought it was maybe built in. Mm -hmm. And I had to stop mm -hmm. and explain this is not built in. This is actually just a person being an asshole. And I said, get the fuck out. You're ruining the show. Please get the fuck out right now. Yeah. And they and got the fuck out. Good good for them, I guess. Good yeah. on them. And good on you. Um, yeah. Uh, tell us. Give us a couple of your favorite cut jokes from this show. Oh, God. Well, oh, this was a hard one to lose. So the first time my husband and I had sex after I gave birth, um, it's funny, I'm doing this podcast in my in-law's house uh, in Long <laughs> Island right now, um, but I've told this regularly on stage. Um, the first time my husband and I had sex after I gave birth, I said, like, we did it at the six-week mark when mm -hmm. it's safe. Mm. And I said, how was it down there? And he said, you know, when you're walking around a house after there's been an earthquake and the furniture's moved around, the photos are askew, you can tell something bad has happened here, but it's essentially the same house. <laughs> I missed that joke. Yeah. Yeah. It probably it got a big laugh, I bet. Huge laugh. Yeah. 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 Did you write any songs that got cut? Yeah. Yeah. Tell us about him. Um, well, there were a couple songs that were in the previous version of the show. Oh, right. Of course. That, yeah. that yeah. I wanted to hang on to. So there was one about realistic pop star. There was another uh, song. I'll release mm. them someday about mm. what if Billie mm. Eilish were really, really old, um, where it's just basically a, a Billie Eilish style song, but like sung in a nursing home. Right. Okay. Where it's like, why, why is, why is pop music owned by the super young, young people yeah haven't experienced the world so it was mm. like old Billie eilish um i used to talk about i mean i i used there's a whole detour in the show about my experiences with death up until 2020 which is which is more of my fascination with the macabre mm. and how i was raised uh to to be fascinated with the macabre uh and i basically voluntarily i went to visit auschwitz like alone um, which was, wow. everyone was like, why would you do that? But, but I was raised, especially by my father to really appreciate history and, mm. and appreciate the darkest parts of history. Um, and so there was a song about that. And it's that gone. I miss. 
but will be will be released at some time you think at some point at some point yeah 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 do you could you imagine working it into another show at some point like is there is that even yeah 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 Yeah, i think there's a whole other thing to be mined with the idea of um light and dark and my fascination with the macabre and and Mm. how that's actually changed since i had a kid Mm -hmm. there's a sensitivity to dark things Mm. that i didn't have before i had a kid yeah yeah um well we will look forward to hearing uh that song and many others and all all the jokes that we miss uh whenever you release them and in in the meantime you're in death let me do my show um thanks very much for chatting with me and enjoy the rest of the run Thank you so much. That was Rachel Bloom, now starring off-Broadway in Death, Let Me Do My Show. If you enjoyed this conversation here on StageCraft, I'd really appreciate it if you took the time to rate and review us wherever you listen to podcasts. It really does help. Or tell a friend about StageCraft. Find past episodes and subscribe at all the places you get your pods, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and on the Broadway Podcast Network, a great place to find more theater for your ears. Until next episode, find me on Instagram and Twitter at Gordon B. Cox. Thanks for listening, and see you at the theater. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.